You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, grab a seat. My name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor at the church. Uh, If you're new, glad you're here. It's great to see all of you here. I know Christmas season is a time where family and friends kind of come together, and so it's going to be a special time. Um, If you were here last week, I encourage you guys to invite a a friend, and right in front of you, you got like a little invite card right here. Uh, It's I got one in my pocket. Um, Grab one, if you will. It should be on the the seat, a little pocket right in front of you. Um, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Last yesterday afternoon, my wife and I were out, uh, or my wife actually, no, she wasn't out with me helping invite our neighbors. She was at the Star Wars movie. which was really cool, by the way, I saw it a few days ago, and you know you're at Star Wars when, when there's a guy with a lightsaber in the movie theater. It was like, wow, that's, that's passion and commitment right there. Um, movie theater is a special place for us. We, we were over there at the church that's, uh, we, before we were here. Um, but she had made cookies, and um, every year we make it a tradition where we get some cookies and then pass it out to neighbors, uh, friends, and family. Uh, in the area, and um, so yesterday I was out inviting my neighbors to church and just saying Merry Christmas, giving them a cookie, and uh, with my kids, and it's easy to do if you've got a little six-year-old kid that looks really cute, you know, just knock on the door and Merry Christmas, you know, it's awesome, it's easy, um, and so I was doing that though, and I'm going to tell you the story because I just want you to know, I mean, this is what happens when you invite people you don't know, so we were walking down the street and we're inviting people, it was quite an adventure, uh, my daughter's 12, I got one daughter's 12, and then I, that's Riley, and then I got Maya, she's six, and we're out inviting people, and neighbors are like, man, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time, but I've heard about you guys. Another, another uh, lady said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're the minister on the street. I've heard about you. Uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that's me. So uh, we, Merry Christmas, here's a cookie, people loved it. And we go down the street a little further, we knock on the door, and you know the, guy, the guy's got a really cool Jeep outside. We're like, man, that's really cool. I think I know this kid. I'm not sure if I do. So the door opens, and there's a 20-something-year-old guy standing there in his boxer shorts. And I'm like this to my daughter, whoa. And uh, he's like, uh, yeah, hang on. And he's got a headset on, a mic, and a game controller. And he's like, uh, yeah. I'm like, uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, he says, hang on. And he goes in the back, kid you not. He puts on his pants, buggles his belt, and then comes back and says, yeah, hey, what's up? I'm like, uh, do you, you want some cookies? Uh, and my daughter and Maya are just like. And uh, they're like, Merry Christmas. And he's like, cookies, love cookies, love cookies. Yes, I'll take some cookies. Oh, yeah, you're the pastor in the neighborhood. Yeah, hey, we'd love to come to church. You know, and he's like, I'm like, wow, yeah, great, great to see you. And he's like, yeah, sorry, you know, gaming, you know, typical millennial, typical millennial. That's what he said, for real. It was really funny. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, it was crazy. It was fun. Uh, we go a little further. I kid you not. I'm just going to tell you this because it was a crazy day, fun, inviting friends. And we're going down the next house. And I kid you not, there's a hawk that flies into the neighborhood, hits a pigeon, takes the pigeon, flies off right in front of us. And we're just like, wow, what an adventure. Never knew that was going to happen on a, on a Saturday afternoon, inviting neighbors and friends to church, you know. Really cool. want to encourage you to do that, though. Um, 
as well before we get going in the message today. Um, Year-end giving is a big opportunity. I know you get lots of invitations from different organizations and causes around the community and around the nation. Uh, I want to encourage you, especially those of you guys that call North Valley your home, invest here first. Uh, This is your place of worship. Um, As a gift to all of you that do that, you can just write year-end giving on your check or however you want to do that. We have a special gift for you, a little booklet that kind of goes along with the study that we've been in, and you can pick that up at the guest services, Ramana, right outside the door. If you're a guest, don't feel obligated to give anything. In fact, we've got a special gift for you just for being here, and we're glad that you guys are here. Um, Another special news announcement is you guys gave generously through the fall, and uh, we launched, uh, we got our second playground for our kids that we're going to be installing in the new year, thanks to your generosity, so let's celebrate that. That's exciting. So kids, you got a playground coming. All right, let me pray and we'll get started this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for just the, the great opportunity that we have today to still and quiet ourselves just for a bit. And Lord, um, hear maybe what you're drawing us to hear. As I prepared this message, I'm certain that you want to accomplish your plans and purposes for everybody here. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to us and through us in a unique way that might alter uh, maybe the, the week that we have ahead of us and the days that we have ahead of us. We need you, and we exalt Jesus Christ above all other names. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. The Christian life is a journey. It's really not a destination. There's a starting point as a Christian. That's the day that you admitted that you were in great need, that you had sin, that you, that you do sin, and that you're separated from the love of God. You believe in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and you confess Him as Lord. Those are the ABCs of the gospel message. That's the starting point. Whenever that happened in your life, it's like the beginning of a race that God has got you on a new trajectory, a new path, a new new journey. There's a a middle of the journey of 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 the Christian life. It's called the journey. And on the journey, there are ups, When you're at the top of a mountain and you can see everything and you're excited and you're pumped up. And then there's lows when you're in the valley and you you don't even know how you're going to make it through the next day. And I want to encourage you that God is Emmanuel. He is with you in the high highs and the low lows. You have to understand the framework as a Christian that you are on a journey. For years, uh, in my college years, I worked as an adventure guide. I would guide uh, individuals through the mountains of Colorado, and it was a journey. And if they wanted to make the summit, we had to plan hard and prep hard. And there wasn't much vegetation at the top of a summit. And it was really interesting, at the top of a summit, you can't stay up there very long. If anybody's ever climbed a mountain here at 12,000 feet or higher, you don't spend usually more than 20, 30 minutes at the top. You just take a little bit of time, you get your photo, and you get off the mountain. And then you find yourself in the valleys where there's a lot of vegetation and you can't see a whole lot. The Christian life is like that. God will use summit experiences for you to see where you've come from, where, where you need to go, and exactly how you got there. 
But then there's these low lows where you're really low and you feel like you're in the valley and you, keep, you don't even know what's next. You just take step by step. But the Christian life has an incredible, the Christian life is the best life. There's a cool destination. We're not just earthly citizens as Christians. We have eternal citizenship. We've got a home in heaven that far exceeds this place. The Christian life is the very best life. And the destination is not here. The destination is with the Lord. And a whole new world ahead of us. The question I have for you is how are you doing on your journey in the Christian life? How are you? Are you in the valley? Are you on the summits? Are you charged up and fired up? Or are you exhausted and worn out? Here's what we all must learn. We all must learn how to trust God on our journey. Every single one of us. I want to encourage you. God is with you. No matter where you're at on that journey, God is absolutely with you. But you have a responsibility to take, and that is to trust the Lord. No better Bible verse on trusting the Lord than Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make straight your paths. In that analogy, you need to use the Bible as your map. That's what gets you through. shows you how. shows you and introduces you to the redeeming power and relationship with Jesus Christ. The compass is your Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit. He wants to guide you, help you, navigate you. Bible says that the Holy Spirit is like a counselor. That's the one counselor that you must constantly consult. Just stop and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want in this situation? And the wilderness, the mountains and the valleys, that's called life. That's life. Here's what I want you to know on the journey is that there will be testing. There will be testing of your faith. There will be testing of... You'll be tested beyond your ability at times in life on this journey, you will be challenged to rely on God and no other as you proceed forward in the journey in the Christian life. You will have to realize that trust and the journey will require you to understand not yourself, but understand God's ways. The Bible says is do not lean on your own understanding. There will be a reliance that you'll find and discover a new level of strength that you trust in the Lord in your journey. You're going to find out that the Christian life offers you a better hope and a better plan than any other world religion out there. You can find a strength that is not within yourself. The answer is not within. The answer is from Him and the High King of Heaven. You get a supernatural, extraordinary level of strength in the Christian life. And then you need to realize that in trusting God, it'll take time. Some of you have a great level of trust. You have a gift of faith. And you, you are strong. And those of you who are strong, the Bible says help the weak. This morning, what I want to encourage you is we're going to look at a case study of the life of Joseph and Mary and look at their faith journey. And then we're going to draw away three lessons on how that you can get through what how, where, where you're at on your journey to apply to your life. Let's read in Luke chapters 2, 1 through 3. It says the historian Luke is recording the birth of Jesus Christ. At this point, uh, Joseph and Mary are uh, betrothed, that is legally married. She's already been announced by the angel Gabriel that she was pregnant with child. Joseph freaked out initially because he didn't understand that that was even 
possible with God that he would do such a thing. He had made a decision that he was already going to divorce her. And then the angel shows up to Joseph and says, don't do it. This is a part of my plan. And now there comes a time where they're in Nazareth and they're going to be issued this decree because of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, is going to call them to go for registration into Bethlehem. Luke historian says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. The Bible says that a decree went out. This would have been a formal proclamation throughout the Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus is the most powerful man on the planet. Uh, he, was the adopt, he was adopted by the great Julius Caesar. He was a military genius, an organizational genius. He had ended a long period of civil war in, in the Roman Republic. And he's the first emperor for the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire of that, of the, in, the, in the world at that time. There was over 50,000 miles of roadways paved throughout the Roman Empire. They had power and authority from the Middle East all the way throughout Europe and even down into Northern Africa. It was estimated 70 to 80 million people that were a part of the Roman Empire in that time and had the privileges and experienced the peace of Rome. Caesar Augustus is a, is a title. His real name was Octavius. And Octavius was the adopted son of Julius Caesar, very powerful man. He was acknowledged and has been for centuries as a brilliant uh, military and political leader. Even the Adolf Hitler loved and adored Caesar Augustus and tried to model a lot of um, his regime off of the, the power and the military strategies of what these guys were doing. Caesar Augustus issues this decree. Uh, Joseph and Mary would have heard about it, and, th and, and we're going to see that uh, they're to be registered. They're to be registered. The registration would have done a couple of things. One, for Caesar Augustus, it would have given him an opportunity to get more money, taxation. Um, it's not, you know, for, for, for the poor little Israelites, the Jewish people, they've been taxed, and they're definitely low on the social status in the Roman Empire. And here's another chance for a powerful dictator leader to get a little bit more money. So Joseph and Mary, would have, they're pregnant with child. They uh, hear this news. The registration also would have, for Caesar Augustus, for the Roman Empire, would have given, given account of all the male leaders that would have been eligible for military. So this decree is sent out. Quinerius is a steward of the, of the government. He's going to help... Uh, administer this uh, registration. And it said that everybody's going to go to their own hometown. Now, if Joseph and Mary are in Nazareth, Bethlehem, we're going to find out, is a distance of about 90 miles. And that was the hometown where Joseph was from. Uh, his lineage, his ancestral land was back in in Bethlehem. And they're going to have to travel some 90 miles. Ladies, if you were pregnant with child, some uh, almost nine months in your term, and you find out that you are going to have to travel 90 miles, by the way, by foot, how would that make you feel? Um, that would have definitely induced labor, would it not? Uh, it's definitely a concern. I mean, 90 miles is like from here to Flagstaff, uh, and it's uphill. 
we see this journey is beginning to set and there's this decree that King Caesar has issued. But what's really cool is that we're going to see that the greatest kingdom is not the kingdom of the Roman Empire, but the greatest kingdom is the kingdom of God. That there's a high king, Jesus, that is going to fulfill incredible prophecies and we're going to see the sovereignty of God, God's rule and power over all creation and even working through Caesar Augustus to accomplish his perfect plan and purposes. So what's the decision? Joseph and Mary, they've got a decision to make. Luke 2, 4-5, through 5, And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, who his betrothed, who was with child. Very much with child. Very, very pregnant. They go up. That's up in elevation. That's uphill. What's, in, what's really cool about what, we, what Luke records as an observation as I was studying the Scriptures this week is that it's Joseph that makes the first move. He was, the, he was not initially an early adopter of the news. He was a latecomer. But here, he realizes just maybe God is sovereignly using Caesar Augustus to get us back to Bethlehem because I remember the prophet Micah 500 years before had said that the child, the Messiah, would be born at Bethlehem. See, divine prophecies are beginning to be fulfilled. There were requirements for this new king, Jesus, that he would be born of a virgin. Well, that, 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 that was clear out of Isaiah. That he would be born in Bethlehem from the prophet Micah. That there would be a star that would rise from the east. These things are beginning to take fruition. Joseph goes up. He makes that key decision from Nazareth to the city of David, which is Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the birthplace of King David. They go to Bethlehem because he was of the lineage of David. Joseph uh, came from the family line, the royal Davidic line of King David. And there were prophecies that the, Jesus, the Messiah, would come from that lineage. And here is Joseph. And he makes that. And Luke inserts that. This is why David went by and large. There was definitely some acknowledgement because he was of the lineage of David. Now, he had to go there for two reasons. One, Caesar Augustus had already decreed it. You get in trouble with Rome, you're in trouble. Two, uh, Joseph was a man, who, a man of integrity. He did what was right. He would have known the Scriptures. I think he was motivated by those two things, seeking to obey the law of the land and seeking to obey, obey the promises of God. But it says in verse 5, to be registered with Mary. What I find interesting is Mary has the courage to go with him. Uh, Joseph probably talked her into it, uh, or maybe not. The Bible doesn't really say. But just imagine if you were pregnant nine months, does that sound like an exciting road trip for you? She goes. I think it shows the couple's commitment to one another. I think it also shows the shepherding heart of Joseph. Maybe didn't want to leave her back in Nazareth where she would be the subject of gossip and slander and accusations. That she got, uh, she's pregnant and nobody really understands who the father is. Or maybe Joseph was terrified. He thought, there's no way I'm going on this big long road trip just to come back to find out I missed the birth of baby Jesus. 
So he and Mary go together. And it says, Luke continues on and gives simple description of what happens with the birth of Christ. He says in verse 6, And while they were there, that is in Bethlehem, the time came. The time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Well, the time had come, and Jesus would be the firstborn son. He would be the rightful heir for the promise that was made out of King David. He would be a literal, uh, legal uh, king. And even when Jesus would later in life be crucified by the Roman uh, government and uh, accusations from the, the Jews, on the cross it would say, King of the Jews. Jesus is the real king. He's the real king, the high king of heaven. There is a juxtaposition uh, between uh, King Caesar and King Jesus. He's the greater king. His kingdom has no end. His promise is peace on earth. There were some inscriptions that would circulate through the Roman Empire. The name uh, Caesar Augustus means, oh, honored one or favored one. Uh, there was an inscription that would say that, uh, that he is a savior. I mean, he really did bring a peace that Rome had not experienced before. But here is Jesus, the rightful king of King David, just exactly according to the prophecies, he's the firstborn son. But he's also the firstborn son in a family. In the Gospel of Matthew and in Mark, there are several other brothers and sisters of Jesus. Very likely between Joseph and, and Mary. Uh, it goes against the idea of perpetual virginity that we see uh, being talked about in some circles. This was a real family. Born in a real town, in a real time frame. Jesus is not from Neverland. He's not from a galaxy far, far away. He's not from Middle Earth. He's not from Narnia. He's from Bethlehem. We could get on a plane and we could fly over there. 7,000, 8,000 miles or so, we'd be in Bethlehem. If you were to go there today, there's a basilica set up to honor the site where Jesus was born. The Gospel of Luke records for us in simple terms the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world in very humble circumstances. They're incredible lessons for us to see. Incredible truths. He was wrapped in swaddling cloths. This would have been little linens of some sort that would have uh, been used for a couple of purposes. One, to keep the baby warm. Baby would have been born in the wintertime. And they would have kept the child warm. Would have also um, was served in the medical purposes just to keep the limbs straight. To straighten the limbs is what they believed at the time. But on a spiritual side, it was, it was used to um, signify that this child would walk straight, uh, honor the Lord. It was like a dedication of some sort, and Mary does that. She laid him in a manger. It would have been a feeding trough like what we see here. It was an animal shelter. Why didn't Joseph go home? He didn't have a shelter there very obviously. He might have been entitled to some land, but there was no structure. And contrary to the idea that there's this mean, mean inn, innkeeper, that would have been a, a place like a, uh, some kind of shelter where people that are traveling and, 
and uh, tourists would be able to set up a, a temporary place to stay. Uh, like when you travel and maybe you don't decide to go the hotel or motel route, you, you stay at a KOA. It's very likely the kind of situation they found themselves in. There was no place for them in the end. So here is the Savior of the world, born in the most humble circumstances. Three lessons to live by for us on our faith journey. Number one, we must see how disruptions can be used as divine appointments. Two ways to think about disruptions. Uh, a disruption, you can have a disruptive circumstance or you can have a disruptive calling. What Joseph and Mary had was a, a pretty much a disruptive circumstance. Mary's with child and emperor Caesar Augustus has issued a decree that's very disruptive for a pregnant mother to travel that great a distance would have taken about three days. Incredible disruptive circumstance. But yet there was this divine calling too, where maybe Joseph and Mary had relied upon, trusted in the scriptures that Micah had just promised that the baby would be born in Bethlehem. Can you imagine the conversation between Joseph and Mary? Hey, Mary, I know you probably don't want to go because you're really pregnant, uh, but we've got to go to Bethlehem. And Mary is known, and she's a, very, she's a theologian. She knew the scriptures, and maybe she said, it's exactly according to God's promise. The baby must be born in Bethlehem. Absolutely, I'm going with you. Disruptive circumstances in your life are things that you can't control. And God can use those for divine appointments in your life. These are major theological categories that need to sit on your mind and your heart. You believe God is sovereign. That means that He has all power and control over all of creation. That He can use emperors and kings and presidents and princes. Christian, non-Christian, believer, not believer. For His divine purposes. God's going to use this disruptive circumstance for a divine appointment. And he'll, He did it then and He does it today too. Some of you have a disruptive circumstance. There's a loss of a loved one. There's a financial hardship. There's relationship turmoil. There's a new job demand or suffering health. And these are disruptive circumstances. And if... You and I believe that God is good. Then the promise is, is that he'll use these disruptive circumstances for his divine appointments. And the question is for you and for me is, on the journey, is will we trust? Will you trust him or not? If you don't trust him, then you won't go further along in your journey. You'll sit back, watch. It doesn't mean that you don't get into heaven. It just means you're missing the joy of the Christian life. You're missing all the adventure along the way, and the adventure is not just the sweet mountaintop. There is joy in the pain and the suffering too. Because there's a level of dependence that you just, you know, that I'm as low as I can get. But God's still good. Disruptive circumstances. You don't want them sometimes, but they'll come your way. Disruptive circumstances. Disruptive circumstances. 
They're what really determine your character. They really are what actually can give you incredible new powers of strength and relying upon God. But then there are these disruptive callings. A disruptive calling is really cool. A disruptive calling is not necessarily a, some bad circumstances. It's just this sense. Something's missing in my life, and I sense something extraordinary that God's doing, and I want to get in line with whatever He's got for me. For some of you, it was becoming a Christian. I've heard stories, and we're going to highlight a lot of these stories uh, during Christmas Eve services, so do not miss. That's one of the most special days of the year. About people saying, I felt isolated, alone. Something was missing. And I knew I had to get to church. I needed to hear a message about, who, about God, about Jesus, whatever. It was this divine calling drawing you to know Him. There are divine callings for people to come to faith in Christ and make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. There's a divine calling into a workplace or into a relationship. And you see, man, something's not right. I've, I'm being pulled along. I feel like by this divine power. That is Christ. That is the Holy Spirit. I told you the Bible is your map. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He wants to help you along. For Joseph and Mary, they definitely had that disruptive circumstance. And the word disruptive is, can be used in a business sense to understand it too. It's been used in the marketplace, like uh, different technologies that come into the market and they change everything. Uh, Facebook was a disruptive brand. Uh, Uber is a disruptive company. It changed how we do transportation uh, there's, there's a number of these things. Amazon changed the way we do videos, the way we do shipping. I mean, Blockbuster is no more. You remember the days of Blockbuster? The days where we went to, we always did the red box and there was a time we were mailing about. There's disruptive things that happen in our marketplace. There's disruptive things that happen in the Christian life. And what you choose to do with that disruption determines your direction. You've got to see, number one, that God is good. The character and nature of God is good. If you believe that, and you can navigate through these disruptions. Uh, there are those times in life where there will be a divine calling. You're sensing you need to go somewhere. You need to do something. I think both were happening with Joseph and Mary. Let's look at the, let's look at the second big life lesson we're going to see. Number two, we need to realize that our decisions will determine our direction. Joseph and Mary made a decision. The Bible says that Joseph decided, he says, he went up. He chose the hard route. He went up to Bethlehem. Key decision to make. That was the right decision. This following very likely, I believe, the prophetic text of Micah. Had I been Joseph, I would have had my Bible out. I would have been going along that trail, going when my wife was complaining and saying, I'm in pain. I'm about to have this child. You better hurry up. I'd have been going, but the prophet Micah says, but the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. Like, we got to get there. We got to get there. We got to get there. There's this divine calling that will challenge us. And we need to realize our decisions determine our direction. I recently heard a story of a couple in our church. I want to read to you this email I got about a couple that made a key decision that changed their condition of their marriage. They 
this gal wrote in and she said, uh, we had a very rocky background coming into the marriage and we carried a lot of baggage with us. We were in a downward spiral, spiral really fast and there were times when we were both ready to walk away. You ever been there before? If you're married, you probably use the word divorce. I advise you not to use it or you feel like I'm ready to walk away. When as soon as I got married, I remember I had this ring on my finger and I'm like, this feels like a cold foreign object. What have I done? This is a lifetime commitment. Some of you have gone through divorce. You know the pain and the sting in that. This couple was ready to do that. They said, but we remembered that God is faithful to us. And we prayed for direction and wisdom and what to do. And we decided to talk to a pastor and get help from a counselor here in the church. And we found encouragement, wisdom, and truth that helped us begin to turn our marriage into one that God has intended for us. Even though we are still in our struggles, we continue forward and trust God for all that He's doing. There are decisions that you need to make, and I don't know what those decisions are. But I do promise you this, that they determine your direction. If you're single, you've got decisions to make. What kind of life are you going to live? You're going to live according to God's design and plan and purpose and remain pure and faithful in your journey as a single. You've got decisions to make on education and career. And If you're married, you're making decisions that are going to determine your family. If you're an empty nester, you're trying to think through is how are you going to leave a legacy with the life that you've got? Every single one of those decisions determine our direction. And the cool thing is, is that God's behind it all and wants to influence all that. As we trust in Him and rely on Him, He'll give us the power to make the decisions that are right. Number three, we need to realize and understand that serving the Lord always requires personal sacrifice. Uh, Mary had uh, to make a decision, and she understood that to be a servant means that there would be personal sacrifice. Raising Jesus uh, would have been incredible personal sacrifice of knowing what was ahead of him, believing in the prophetic text that this is a child she would raise that would suffer and die for the sins of the world. Personal sacrifice. I know for many of you mothers, you make incredible personal sacrifices for your children and for you husbands as well. Sacrifice is a part of serving the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What one or two disruptions could God be using in your life as divine appointments? Maybe there's a disruptive circumstance you find yourself in. And you're really wondering, how is God going to use this for good? What decision would you lead in a direction that would most honor God? Every single one of you have decisions to make. And lastly, I'd ask is, how are you serving in such a way that requires personal sacrifice? Here's the big idea. Every single one of us have got to keep moving. You just got to keep going. If you're in the valley and you can't see your very next step, you just got to take that next step. You trust and rely on Him. We've got to keep moving. I want you to think about one of those questions and the areas in your life that you know that you just need to keep going in the right direction. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You are our help and our hope. Uh, we pray, God, that we consult Your Word, no matter where we find ourselves today in the journey of the Christian life, in the valley or in the mountaintop. You've called us to trust in You. And Lord, any disruption that comes our way, we believe that You're going to use for our good. 
as we trust in you. And so, Lord, my friends here today that are find themselves in, uh, from a mountaintop to a valley, might you just pull them along? Might they take the active step and just keep moving? In Christ's name, everybody said, Amen. Hey, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage us in our time together. We're going to open up the opportunity for you guys to share uh, about what God's been doing in your life. Um, in Psalms 107, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. If you're going to trust in God, you've not got to know He's good. For His steadfast love endures forever. And then verse 2, which Psalms 107, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I encourage you, if you've got something that God's been doing good in your life, I want to encourage you to just raise your hand and share. Uh, we'll take a few minutes to do this, and then we'll continue in our worship time together. Just raise your hand. Hello, my name's Alicia. Um, I've been coming here for about a year, year and a half or so. Um, I started at Harkins. Um, where I prayed to receive Christ. Um, since then, um, you know, obviously you have your struggles throughout your life. Um, I struggle with anxiety and an alcohol addiction and um, had a really hard time trying to figure out what I could do to fix it. And so I started praying and praying all the time morning, noon, night, anytime I had like a really hard time, I would start praying and it worked. I trusted him. I relied on him. I had faith that he would be there for me. And he was in an amazing way. Um, and you know, not doing it alone, I think is really important because I did, I felt alone. I felt like I had no one. And I turned to some of the people here at church and was able to call them when I would have a hard time. And since then, it's been great. I've been clean now for a while. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Somebody else, just raise your hand, share what God's, how God's been good in your life. It's important to realize church is filled with real people that made a real Savior and Lord and a real community. What else has God been doing in your life? Just raise your hand and you, you share just for a moment. I know God's good. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time today of just being able to hear from Alicia's story, God, of how you've worked in her life. And I know you're working here in the lives of so many others. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your saving power as the starting point of a brand new Christian life. And Lord, we confess that life is a journey and we got to trust you the whole way through. Um, pray for us, Lord. We pray for... Uh, just rely on your strength. And I ask God, would you grant a special favor and strength for everybody here to, to continue to keep moving forward. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.